All right. Episode 188 is about to begin with two lovely ladies, Amanda and Laura from Fitrix Academy. And this episode is jam-packed with a lot of great information. And one special topic that is close to my heart is binge eating. We get into the ins and outs and kind of open up the conversation even more for anyone out there that might be dealing with this issue right now. We also talk about how fit a trainer needs to be in order to be successful in this industry. And we also talk about women's health, women's perception of themselves, and how the fitness industry is starting to change the conversation and go in the right direction for women in the fitness and health industry. So sit back, relax, and let this episode take over. Here we go. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today are two lovely ladies named Amanda and Laura. Say hello. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Awesome. Um, So, like, what I like to do at the beginning of every show is use some, like, easy lobbing questions just to get the juices flowing. So maybe, Laura, you can start and tell us what you got planned for the weekend. Sure. Well, this weekend, I'm actually, I'm based out of, Amanda and I, well, now we're both based out of Toronto. We were based out of Toronto and Ottawa. Um, but um, we're actually running one of our Fit Chicks retreats this weekend. So today, I'm pretty much, I'm in Toronto getting everything kind of wrapped up, and then I'll be heading to Ottawa. We're running it just outside of Ottawa in, um, at a hotel, well, an inn called Strathmere, which is amazing. Um, so I'll be heading there, and then Friday night we kick it off and go all the way through till Sunday, going through fitness, yoga, nutrition, mindset shifting. We have outdoor challenges, uh, life coaching. It's like a packed weekend full of awesomeness. Awesome. Um, so, Amanda, this one is the next one's for you. What is the current book you're reading? Oh, the current book I'm reading is the, the book that I, I feel like I'm reading over and over again, which is Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. Okay. I read it like, I read it, I don't know, probably like once a month. Wow. <laughs> I, always, I just reread it over and over again because there's so much good information and it's like, yeah, I just, I love it. It's actually an easy read for something that's like a marketing book. That's pretty interesting because most people like read one book and never pick it up again and you just leave it on their shelf. So it's, I think that's what most people need to do is like review the books they already have and not keep getting new ones. Yeah, no, I mean, especially when it comes to stuff like that, I think it's, you know, I, if you saw it, like I'm such a super nerd, I have like all of these little tabs inside of it. And I like write on each of the little tabs, like why I tabbed it. So like, I can go back and like, remember, like that's how nerdy I am with it. Awesome. Actually, this is another good follow-up question. Do you like, um, like lending out your books to other people? You know, what's interesting is some of them. Yes. I actually, and Laura, you'll probably remember this. Like I, I'm someone who actually, instead of lending them, I like to give them to you. Like I gift them to people. Like I, I kind of am like, if I, I, especially when it comes to like mindset stuff or meditation stuff or anything like that, where I'll actually be like, 
I really feel like this would serve you. I really feel like this would help you in some ways. And if, especially if I was having a conversation with someone about something along those lines, I'll usually just give them my book and be like, here, you need to read this. If it's one that like I just love and then I'll just buy it again for myself. Oh, fair enough. I've had too many bad experiences where I lend out books and I never see them again. <laughs> right? <laughs> or like back in the day with like cassette tapes. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next one for you, Laura, what is the current TV series you wa- you're watching? Oh, God, RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> nice. There you go. Both yeah. of us. <laughs> yeah, my wife absolutely loves that show. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah no, even my husband he's like kind of into it too. he watches it with me like he's like yeah. oh someone's breaking up yeah laura you're being you're being robotic here you know, i wasn't even talking <laughs> oh, oh there you there go. go there you go the beauty of <laughs> skype <laughs> yeah um, no, RuPaul's Drag Race, I don't know, reason being that I'm, I'm not really a huge TV person, except I do have a total weakness for, tra- like, for reality television. Um, but when it comes to RuPaul's Drag I just love it because it's, like, it's fun and it's light and I don't want to go in, like, I spend so much time in my work life, like, either studying about fitness, nutrition, teaching it, coaching in business. Sometimes I just want to have, like, an escape. So that's why it's, like, my my guilty pleasure. I have a question for you though, Laura. I have a question for you on your on someone else's podcast. I love you watch... like hijacking, hijacking That's the awesome. podcast. No, no, it's just a question about RuPaul's Drag Race. It's not like a question. It's just because I find when I'm watching it, I like literally can't help myself where I'll be like, oh, like look at that, like the way that he brands that, the way that he speaks, like, or you know what I mean? Like there's certain things like um, like when he's like, you know, um, gentlemen start your engines and don't fuck it up and so like it's consistent like every single time and I'm like oh it's so smart like the way that he consistently uses those lines and stuff like I can't help myself I always check that stuff yeah I'm kind of the opposite I'm like I'm not really watching it thinking that I'm watching it thinking damn I need to up my game I'm like <laughs> I look busted like when you live in sweats all the time I'm like I need to put on some makeup I need some good like spanks I'm like that's what I'm actually thinking <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so let's get this show started officially and do some intros. <laughs> so um, maybe, Amanda, you can start of who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry in the first place? Wow, that's a super loaded question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I am, I mean, I am a yoga teacher, a certified personal trainer, a group fitness instructor, um, sort of by like movement has always been kind of my focus in terms of like health and fitness. I mean, obviously nutrition is important. Mindset step two is really important to me. And it's always been a big focus of mine as well. I like teaching meditation workshops and walking people through affirmations and things like that. So that's kind of like, I guess who I am. I'm also a mom. I've got a little, a little girl who is going to be two in a month, which is like crazy. And, uh, and I'm one of the co-founders of Fit Chicks, Fit Chicks Academy, and then um, also our online business program. So that's kind of who I guess I am. And um, how I got into this industry, I guess that was the next part of your question, is Laura and I started Fit Chicks 10 years ago. So it was actually September of 2008. And so we've been running this now for a decade, which is crazy. 
Um, and every time I say the word decade, I always think of Molly Crew and their like decade of decadencies, which is like one of my favorite albums. <laughs> I don't know why that word just triggers that for me. But so I, I just, I think that we started it um, with the idea that basically there had to be more out there for women's health and fitness, right? Like there was, you know, a lot of different programs that were out there that were just like one-off classes or they were really intimidating programming or they were just really fluffy classes that weren't really focused on like really helping women achieve the transformation that they were looking for, which is to like be strong, to be healthy. And oftentimes too, I think, you know, one of the main reasons why we started this company, we started Bitchix was because there are so many companies out there that focused on people's insecurities. They were always like talking about like getting bikini ready or six pack abs. And you still see it to this day. Like that's a huge marketing platform for so many different gyms and facilities. And it's just, it, we didn't believe in like praying on that side. We believed in just, you know, focusing on the positive and focusing on helping people achieve whatever their goal is. Um, and so we started fit chicks then. And, you know, what inspired me to really get into it too was, just my own transformation. I went from being someone who was not healthy growing up. And when I was like 15, Laura and I used to start, like we started going to yoga together and started doing fad diets and like just random stuff that we didn't really know what we were doing. And then we decided to educate ourselves and seeing how it kind of shifted my life and saved me in a lot of different ways because movement and, you know, living a healthier lifestyle helped me with anxiety and it helped me with, um, you know, a lot of like depression and things like that, that I was dealing with. So I feel like that kind of was my catapult for getting into this industry. Now I'm happy that you brought up that you're a mother. Cause I love asking this question to any female on my show that has children. And uh-huh. I'm really curious, how are you going to raise your child with kind of creating the importance of fitness and health, but not going too far right where it kind of, you know, defeats the purpose? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. Um, So one of my rules is that we don't talk about, like I I avoid saying anything about like, oh, I feel fat or like anything negative, like any kind of negative comments. I just, I mean, I try to stop doing that anyways, like any kind of that, like, um, negative conversations with myself I try not to have. And so I try to just stay really positive, stay really body positive. And I work out in front of her sometimes. Like she'll see me and like, we'll just play around. Like I'll be doing push-ups and she'll be on my back or things like that. Even though she's getting too heavy now for that. <laughs> but it's like, but I try to do that. And then we also incorporate a lot of movement. So we go for walks every single day, um, you know, where we'll just go collect leaves or things like that. So we're moving. And then every morning she actually goes to like an indoor playground. So it's just about like, obviously like, you know, going down slides and chasing after like balls and stuff like that. But it's all about movement and fun at the same time. So incorporating those two things, I think is really important. Yeah. Like I think when kids see their parents being active, that's how they're going to get influenced really easily. Cause I always tell the story mm-hmm. on my show where, um, one, uh, mother I train in particular, her daughter always wakes up with her on the day that she goes to the gym and she always asks, Oh, can I come work out with you? And she's like four years old and her mom's yeah. always like, Oh, just wait a couple more years and then I'll take you to the gym <laughs> with me. So it's kind of cool to see that. Yeah, no, it's funny. Cause my daughter's name is Maddie and she literally sometimes when she sees me doing a workout, like if I'm just doing a work, an at home workout or something like 
if she sees me doing squats, like she'll try to squat. She doesn't know how to yet, but she does like this weird, like she moves her head. Like she thinks she's moving the rest of her body, but just her head kind of bobs around, but she's trying to do it. And it's cute and it's funny. Um, but I think you're right. Like I think just seeing me actually move and do things and knowing that I'm the message I'm conveying is that I'm doing it for, to be strong and to be healthy and keeping it on that level, I think is really key for me. Awesome. So let's move over to Laura. <laughs> Hopefully she hasn't like zoned out, but uh, can, you, can you do a little no. intro on who you are and uh, what you do in Fit Chicks? For sure. It's always kind of interesting because, I mean, usually when Amanda and I, we always talk about ourselves together. So having a little time to talk about ourselves as one is kind of different. Uh, well, so... Um, I am, well, my background is in fitness. Well, actually, my background started in business. So fitness was never really something that I even thought I would end up doing. Um, but similar to Amanda going through my own health trans- transformation with her, um, I ended up losing up about 50 pounds. I think it's about, yeah, 45, 50 pounds. And I kept it off for eight years. But not only, not only losing weight, but completely utilizing fitness nutrition to transform anxiety. I dealt with an eating disorder for 15 years. Um, and just really getting to that place where realizing that once you focus on your fitness, your nutrition, your mindset, really it's the foundational pieces to transform your whole life. Like if you don't have those things, everything else is going to be way more difficult for you to do, whether it be like pursuing a career, whether it be trying to start a family, whether it's trying to find balance in your life. So from there, you know, essentially we fell in love with it and we realized how much it changed us. And then through creating Fit Chicks, um, which was something at that time in 2008, like Amanda said, there was there was no boot camps, right? So um, there maybe there was like one or two. It was just starting. So we kind of got into the market at a time where it it was really cool to see how quickly we took off. Like we literally started with seven women in September 2008, and within a year we had camps across Canada. Um, but yeah, like I said, my background, I'm started in business. I also have, um, I'm a certified personal trainer, group fitness instructor. I'm also a nutritionist. Um, so for me, that's one thing that I really bring to the business where Amanda focuses a lot more on the yoga meditation side. I really come in on the nutrition side, but we both have a huge um, focus on, on mindset as well. So that's kind of, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Awesome. Um, are you open to talking about your eating disorder? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because like, <laughs> I, I love now in our industry a lot more people are talking about this stuff. Whereas like ten years ago, if you brought that up, people would think you're crazy. But um, what what were you dealing with, and like what was kind of going on in your life when you first realized you had an eating disorder? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, like I said, I dealt with it for 15 years. Um, and I, I truly believe I try to be as open as possible on our podcast or with our chicks about this as well. Cause I really think you're only really as sick as your secrets and the more you talk about things. And that for me was like the biggest first step of my healing was really just talking about it, just actually acknowledging to other people that this was something that was going on in my life. Um, so it really started kind of around the age of 17, Um, and at the time I thought it really was all just about weight, right? Like I thought, um, I was dealing with it. I actually was bulimic. So I thought I was dealing with this binging purging because I thought it was a way for me to deal with, you know, trying not to gain weight. But then looking back, I really realized that was around the time where 
a lot of stress and anxiety came into my life and I didn't have an outlet to really deal with it. So my way, like the way it manifested in my body was through an eating disorder. And instead of talking about my emotions or trying to find positive outlets for it, like fitness or like, you know, mindset work or meditation, I literally was utilizing food. So I was essentially pushing down my emotions and then, you know, puking them back up. And that was my way of getting them out. So it took me a really long time to put those pieces together um, and to really realize that it was a coping mechanism. It was a way of dealing with anxiety in my body. I always treated my body kind of like a separate thing than my emotions and really bringing together those two that's what really kind of changed me. And it took a long time. Like everyone thinks that, oh, you know, it just is like an overnight procedure. And I always think too, like, even for me now, I've essentially been in like remission for, you know, about seven years, but I never will say like, oh, I used to have an eating disorder because it's something I always have to be aware of. Like, like an alcoholic, like you always have to be aware of the fact that you know, if you, you could start drinking again. And for me, if I'm not taking care of myself physically, emotionally, it is a road I can go back down. So I always have to be aware that that's something that could happen again in my life. Did you like ever go into like therapy or was this kind of like a more of a self journey to healing? No, I did go to therapy. It was both. Um, yeah. So when I, Probably I went to therapy probably first. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I think it was almost first before I um, I really started going down this other way of being really involved in my healing because you know the emotional side is one thing, but then of course you have to change your lifestyle and you have to change your habits because the eating disorder was a manifestation of the anxiety. So what was causing the anxiety? And a lot of that was bad behaviors, like working a super stressful job, drinking excessively, making bad life choices, dating the wrong people, not exercising, you know what I mean? Like all of those things. So when I started to go through like the emotional side of it, and then when I paired that with taking care of my physical body and finding other outlets, like that's when things really changed for me. So that's something too that I include a lot, like in the way I coach now. And that's why it's so important to, you know, understand not just like the physical body, understand what's going on with you emotionally too, because they go hand in hand. Okay. So maybe Amanda, you can answer this next one. Are you Mm -hmm. seeing more women kind of coming out, being more open uh, about like eating disorder orders or like emotional eating or anything like that, that you've been working with in the last couple of years? Yeah, I think that it's becoming more accepted, for lack of a better word. Like like you said, I think, you know, 10 years ago, um, maybe even just five years ago, like people talking about whether it was um, eating disorders, whether it was mental health disorders that they were dealing with, um, whether it was depression or anxiety or any of those things, people were, they felt like there was some sort of stigma around it. And there still is some stigma, unfortunately, um, around some things that people obviously are working towards. We're working towards getting rid of those stigmas and understanding that people need to express this and they need to talk about these things to be able to process it and to be able to heal. Um, but I definitely think that it's something that's becoming more and more common, which I celebrate because I do think that, you know, by sharing your story and by sharing what it is that you've went through, it allows for people to see that they're not alone and it allows for people to hear that there is a possibility. Yeah, and I think kind of like the first steps, there's 
just starting that conversation because like the moment you have another individual that experienced something similar to what you're going through your brain and like whole body kind of opens up you're like oh my god i'm not the only one this is amazing yeah yeah exactly no exactly well and that's one thing even for me like as soon as i began really kind of sharing like talking about it, especially openly like via emails or my podcast or whatever it was like the amount of emails that I was just getting from women being like, oh my gosh, like when I listen to you speak, that's me. Like, and like seeing themselves in my past kind of thing. And also seeing that there is hope to move forward with it. Like I'll never lie and say that things and nothing in life is an easy overnight process. Right. But if you want to get there, you can, and it just is a matter of like doing the work. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. I think though that, sorry to interrupt, but I think that one of the things I was going to say too, just about like sharing your story is the the only thing that, you know, and I had this conversation actually with Danette May, um, we were talking about like sharing your stories and, you know, sharing your experiences and how that helps transform other people. But the only thing that I always say is like, share when you feel 100% ready to share that. And almost like when you get to a place where you can speak about it from, like when you can almost observe it and speak about it, because if you're speaking about it from a really raw place, sometimes it can become really overwhelming for you. And you have to make sure that you have the ability to be able to support yourself because you don't want it to kind of almost keep triggering you in ways, if that makes sense. No, totally. Now, if you had to give like actionable steps for someone who is now self-aware that they might have an eating disorder, what would you tell like, you know, one of your clients that's in front of you that's starting from like scratch and this will be for amanda to answer oh for me to answer (laughs) um well i think that if you know if they recognize that they are having that they have an eating disorder that they are struggling with this i think that the first step in my mind would be about seeking someone outside of them that they can trust that they can turn to, that they can speak to, whether it is a therapist, whether it is um, a trainer, a coach, whether it is a family member, et cetera, um, to look for that so that they have that support system built in so that they don't feel like they're completely alone on this journey. Because that's, I think, one of the most important things is that you know that if you are having a moment where you feel like maybe you're struggling or you're having a relapse or there's a lot of emotions coming up because when you're going through any kind of healing it's like all of these emotions start pouring out and like sometimes especially because you're oftentimes like using um like not using a situation but like it's almost like when you are doing a certain habit it's oftentimes like a way to cover up some kind of emotion right like what laura was talking about like for her it was like for her to help deal with anxiety it was like she was eating to like stuff those feelings away. You know what I mean? So when you understand that it can kind of trigger it. So having somebody outside of you to be able to support you so that if you are feeling like those moments, like you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't deal with this. And, or this is really overwhelming to me. And I feel like I'm going to go back to my old habits. I feel like that would be your first step. I think then from there, it would be about figuring out the best approach for you, whether it is, you know, going to, um, get professional help, whether it is through like other healing techniques, like maybe it is like meditation techniques, maybe it is working out or like, but also you want to be sure that you're not replacing one habit with another. 
No, I'm happy you brought that up because, like, my, one of the questions I was having in my head is, like, you know, maybe you're working with an individual and now it's kind of beyond your scope of practice that you can help them. How do you have that conversation where you want to, like, tell them, like, you should seek professional help without, like, them flipping out at you? Like, you don't know me. Like, you think I'm crazy or something. Like, I, I always have that, like, image in the back of my head that if you say, like, one little thing wrong to that client that you want them to get actual, like, help beyond what you can do, that would happen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that it is possible because you can never predict how someone's going to react. Yeah. But I think as long as you are, as long as you're coming at it from a compassionate place, and I also think being someone who is solution-based. So not only do you just say like, oh, I really think you should get professional help, but come at them. Obviously, you will have a relationship with them already built because you're approaching them through a different way. So approach them on the level that you know that they like to be approached on, have an honest conversation, set it up so that it is like, you know, um, you know, we need to have a call or we need to have a meeting to talk about this and then have solutions for them. Be like, you know, I feel as though this would really help you. This would support you or this person is a professional in this specific area. And this is outside of my expertise. And I want to make sure that I can support you in the best way possible. So I really recommend that you set up an initial call with this person or a meeting or whatever. That's good. Um, another good question is like for people who are looking for, you know, professional uh, advice in kind of like the psychology realm, how do you pick a good therapist? Because I find that, you know, a lot of people had the experience of they go to their first therapist and it's like the worst experience they've ever felt. And maybe it's even, you know, made them a little bit worse. Mm hmm. Um, I think, I mean, for me personally, I went through that situation where like, I remember when I was younger and I was dealing with a lot of anxiety issues, I went to a, um, it was a psychiatrist, not a therapist, but and the first meeting with this person was like, oh, you have depression, you have suicidal tendencies, this, and that. And I was like, no, I don't like, I don't, I don't actually feel that way, but that's okay. If that's what your perception is of me. Um, I was bothered by it obviously, but then his solution was, you know, here, take all of these pills. And I was like, no, that's so not me. Like, that's not what I'm about. And I don't feel comfortable. And immediately, as soon as I left there, I was like, I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't feel comfortable with his solutions. I don't feel comfortable with his recommendations, um, his observations. So I just didn't go back. Like, I just messaged and I was like, I don't think that this is a fit. And I think that, you know, and I've been to other therapists too, where it's just like, we met with them, had a good conversation, but I still left there feeling like, disconnected in some way. So I think it's just a matter of like trusting your gut. And it's almost like you just, you got to try people on to see what's the right fit, just like any kind of coach or like any kind of resource that you're using, you want to make sure that it's the right fit for you and trust your gut. Cause if it doesn't feel good, it's not right. The other thing I would like to add to that too. I know yeah. now like we're in Canada, I know there is a service. It's almost like, like a placement service. I can't remember what it's called, but you actually can call them and they're kind of like the hub and you explain what you are looking for help with. So maybe if you are dealing, looking for help with eating disorders, or if you're looking for help with, you know, grieving or whatever it is that's going on in your life, they then direct you to, um, therapists that actually specialize in those areas. So it's not just you kind of like going to the internet or like looking in the phone book or whatever it is, just trying to find a therapist in your area. It kind of gives you a little bit more direction. And then I think there are trial periods because that is one thing 
And I know that now with mental health being so much more in the forefront, there are other options. But before, it literally used to be like, okay, like, you would go on the internet or like ask a friend, like, oh, do you know a therapist? Which a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking to their friends about it. So it's almost like mm-hmm. now they're building some more resources and networks because it is becoming so much more of a need, like a more open need. But like, I know for both Amanda and I in the past, it's always been through recommendations. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And that's one thing I always say to trainers too. Um, you know, we're really about helping women become holistic fitness professionals. And, you know, I, like you were saying earlier about how you were worried about saying to your client, like, if it's out of your scope, we're trying to really encourage the opposite to get, every, like, for all of us to be more of a network, whether you're like a chiropractor or fitness professional, nutritionist, naturopath, because we all can't do everything, right? And there's nothing better than to say to your client, like, you know what, I can't help you with this, but I know someone who can. And that's something that I think, again, shows your professionalism and then, you know, helps making sure that they're in someone who's in, like, in good hands with someone else. Oh, 100%. And this is like the marketing brain in me, but I've always been like, the topic of mental health has always been on in my head for like the last year. And I'm like, I wish there was a psychologist like that had a huge following on Facebook and or Instagram and just educated people on mental health because we need that in our day and age now. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure we do. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit and kind of almost go back to the very beginning. And Amanda, I think you said that the reason why you started uh, Fit Chicks was to kind of fill the void for women's health. And I'm kind of curious, do you feel that now in our industry, the kind of women's group is being better serviced or is it still has some work to do? Um, I think it still has some work to do. I do think it's better. I do think that there are, um, you know, I know here in Canada, like there's um, a lot more like boutique gyms and programs that are built, maybe not necessarily for women, but very specific for different styles. So it's not just like, here's, you know, this generic sort of program. It's like there are programs that are actually built to like get specific results. So whether it's like strength training or whether it's, you know, um, for competitions or whether it's for just like for moms or et cetera. So like, I do think that there are more opportunities out there with boutique style gyms and programming, but I do think there is still like this, you know, when you look at like, when you go to like a gym or facility, and you go into like the women's only section, which you wouldn't know about, but when you go into the women's only section, it's still like just loaded with like some of them, not all, but some of them are loaded just with like tons of treadmills, tons of ellipticals, and then just like a couple of like lightweights. There's no like squat bars, there's no heavy lifting stuff, like there's nothing there. So if a woman is not comfortable being in the regular gym setting and wants to be in the women's only section, she's really limited. So I do think that that could be adjusted. I'm not saying that women's only sections need to have exactly like everything that the main sort of gym space has, but it should have a little bit more variety. No, fair enough. I I think like, especially anyone new to exercise, they just have no idea that, you know, women's training has gone so far into the right direction. Like when I get a new client and, you know, in the beginning, she'll always say things like, Oh, I want to lose this much weight. I want to lose this many inches but I try to change the conversation to performance goals. And I tell them like, mm-hmm. I would love to see you doing five bodyweight chin-ups. And they're like, whoa, really? And I'm like, yeah, well think about it like aesthetically, you would have to look a certain way in order to do five bodyweight chin-ups. So rather than you always focusing on how much you weigh, let's focus on performance goals in the gym. And they're like, 
whoa. I'm like, yeah, it's not amazing. <laughs> Mind blowing. Yeah. It, it, it's, that's a, awesome. it's tough though. Cause like all the marketing for women nowadays is like, what's wrong with you? Um, what's how you should look like, how you should like act and how you should be, but there's nothing out there that's kind of encouraging you that the way you are is already perfect and right. I do think that there are some yeah. organizations that market that way, but it is limited. Like, like what I said to you in the beginning, like they're still, the focus is always on, okay, what are the biggest insecurities for women? And that's what we're going to like drill into them. Like that's your insecurity. And this is what you need to be able to like fix that problem. Like they, they focus on all the negative stuff as opposed to just focusing on the positive of like, you're strong, you're capable. And here's how you can get even stronger or, you know, like you said, the performance based. Definitely. What about you, Laura? What do you think? I have a, I have a lot of thoughts on this subject. <laughs> like, like when we even first started Fit Chicks, like the reason why if you ever look at our logo, it's a little yellow chick. And everyone's like, how did you guys end up like picking that as your logo? And because during that time too, and still now, you know, when you see most of the gym flyers, it's like women in crop tops. If you look at any of our marketing, there has never been a woman in a sports bra being shown um, just because we don't want to feed into that. And even the way we structure our classes were for women of all levels to participate. And that was something too, that was different about us because, you know, whether you were first starting out with high intensity interval training, or you were like a super athlete, everyone could participate in our class and feel like they could actually do it. So it was one of those things from very early on, and Man and I have had a very, our stance has never changed on this, is that we would never market to women's insecurities. But I do think right now we're kind of in a weird place because, yes, there is so much amazing different voices right now who are speaking for different types of exercise and different types of body shapes and things like that. But sometimes I think we get away from the whole point of things, and that's about health, right? Like, like Amanda, I did a podcast once about fit shaming versus fat shaming versus like health shaming. Cause everyone is like shaming somebody. It still feels like, so if you're super into exercise and you care about your aesthetics, then you are, you know, you're, you're petting, you're insecure or vice versa. If you're like, I'm fat and I'm happy to be fat, then you're like, well, I don't want to exercise and I don't want to do this. It's like, we need kind of like a mixture of showing all of these women, but keeping health at the forefront, because at the end of the day, like that's really what the whole focus, the whole point of working out and, and eating well is right. We want to be healthy inside and out. So I don't know. I just think that we're still in a really weird place. And I feel like there's so many mixed messages still to this day. Like I can't even go on Instagram sometimes cause I get so irritated by all of it. I'm like, delete, delete, delete. But it's interesting that you brought up like social media because like I think that has a huge influence because you can get into like rabbit holes of going on Instagram of like looking up the hashtag of like fitness inspiration and all you see is like these perfect individuals and you're like that's how I'm supposed to look and now your whole like subconscious is like always gearing towards that look but in reality like those people are paid to look like that. Well, yeah, like I used to do fitness competitions and I know the work that it takes into getting my body to have a six pack. And it's like, I'm almost happy I did do it because now I have a whole different, like, I don't look, look at that stuff and ever think that that I know what goes into looking like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's like, Oh, I'm going to do your eight week slim down program and I'm going to have a six pack. Like I know the amount of dedication, (laughs) food, exercise, like what it takes for my body to get there. So it's kind of like, do I really want to put in that work or do I not? 
Like, do I not want to have a social life for this amount of time or do I? So for me, that doesn't affect me as much. But the thing that I kind of get a little worked up on too is like, even I posted something on our Instagram I said uh, about weight loss. So we have a program called the Holistic Nutrition Weight Loss Expert. And it's about, it's a certification for women looking to get into holistic nutrition and get the body in balance, but with a focus on, you know, how to lose weight healthily. And um, I got a comment from this one lady who was saying that she was offended by the fact that I said, was talking about weight loss and that I was, you know, perpetuating this problem of women feeling like they needed to lose weight um, and that we celebrate body diversity, but how can we do that if we're talking about weight loss? And like my whole stance is that, you know, you can still love your body and still want to be healthy. Like there are some people who love their bodies, but for health purposes, they do need to lose weight. So it's like, it's kind of this catch 22 trying to find the balance of how do we still market to people like this is how you can still get the results um, that you want, but not in a way that is like making women feel bad about their bodies. That's where I think the problem is. Interesting. Actually, this actually brought up another idea in my head is like, I've had this conversation a couple times and maybe both of you can chime in on this, but how fit does a trainer need to be in order to be successful in this industry? Whoever wants to go first. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Yeah. I for me, I personally think all of it, number one, depends on like what you're coaching in. Because like for example, let's say if somebody is coaching like, you know, when you look at people who are coaching like figure skaters, you know what I mean? Like a lot of times they're not in like figure skating shape. Like, but their knowledge and their experience and their coaching abilities are they can help them get to that place. So I do think that there are some things that it depends on what you're doing. Like if you're actually going to be teaching the fitness class, you obviously have to be able to keep up with it. Um, but vice versa, if you're, you know, teaching powerlifting and you're an ex powerlifter, but you don't do it anymore. I still like, I think it kind of depends. That's kind of my first thing. My second thing though, is I just think you do really need to be authentic though. Like you can't say like telling people to do things that you don't even do yourself at all. So if you're like telling someone like as a nutritionist being like, oh, you've got to really focus around, you know, lean proteins, healthy fats, um, low glycemic carbohydrates, and then you're eating Doritos every night for dinner, I think there's a disconnect. <laughs> and I think that that comes across though in your work as well, right? Like I think it does. So whatever you're coaching, I think you have to A, B, like be true to yourself in that form. So be true to what you're actually doing and also where your level of expertise is. I think there is still a lot of, there's still a lot of like pressure put on what you look like. Aesthetics has nothing to do with health. We know that. So like just because someone has a six pack doesn't mean they're an amazing trainer. and doesn't mean that they're healthy, but I do think there has to be that authenticity. Like you have to be doing the stuff that you're teaching or, or it's kind of like there's a disconnect. Oh, fair enough. Like I, I always tell people like, cause I've had some newer coaches uh, reach out to me and ask a bunch of questions and this was brought up and I'm like honestly you just have to be fit enough to show or whatever you're asking your client to do like you should be able to do it like if your client is training for a half marathon you should probably be able to run at least 5k on your own and not be like oh yeah just go for it you'll be good to go exactly like if you're if you're a marathon you're teaching people how to run marathons and you're sitting at home chain smoking and you can yeah. barely climb the stairs you know what i mean i think there's a di there's a disconnect there it's like what like are you authentically involved in this lifestyle or are you just like regurgitating information that you've read in a book and you think you can make money doing it 
But I do think, and I just want to add to that, that I do think that, and Lauren, I've talked about this before, that there is, um, for trainers out there that are coming into this industry that maybe are not at the level that they think that they should be. They don't have the six pack. They like what they think a trainer has to look like when they're not there. I think that there is room in this industry for, and we think there's room in this industry for body diversity. So it doesn't like what Laura was saying, like it doesn't necessarily mean you have to look a certain way. It just means that like you need to be living a lifestyle, whether it is that you are trying, like striving to get healthier yourself and you're on this journey and then you're helping people, but you're sharing that story. You're sharing the story of like, I'm on my own journey, join me kind of thing that works, but not if you're like, Oh, well you should do this, but I'm going to, you know, go over here and chain smoke. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I think that would be a great place to stop and ask the very last question. Uh, can you tell the audience where they can find you online, what projects you have coming out, and anything else you want to plug on my show, you can, and whoever wants to go first to do that. Laura, I'm going to let you go because you're good at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the pressure is on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So um, you can find us in a few places. So, um, of course, our website, fitchexacademy.com, that's where we have all of our upcoming certification programs. So we have our Fitness and Nutrition Expert Program. That's a 12-week certification to becoming a fitness and nutrition professional. Um, And then we also have our eight-week Holistic Nutrition Weight Loss Expert Program, which is all about becoming a holistic health coach. Um, And the two we have two dates coming up in early 2019 so that's all available on our website as well as we have um, a ton of free resources on there including recipes and workouts um, as well as you can get access to our podcast on there too fit chicks chat Um, and that's also available on itunes and google play so that's kind of our main focus we're really into our whole mission is to help women get unstuck and certify as many women as fitness and nutrition coaches and help them build businesses so we can in turn, you know, build healthier communities um, around the world. We have students from all around the world, so it's pretty cool. But um, that we have that. And then also our most recent project is that we do help women, um, fitness professionals, with their um, with their businesses. So we actually are launching an online business building lab, um, helping women build their businesses in the online space too. So that will be open in January 2019. Awesome. So thank you so much for you two taking your time with me today. This was amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for all the awesome work you're doing too. We always think it's so cool to meet other people in the industry and podcasters who are just trying to get more healthy conversation and knowledge out there. It's awesome. Okay, so that is going to wrap up episode 188 with Laura and Amanda. They were just plainly exquisite, lovely people, and so pumped to have them on my show. So I'm going to say this at the end of every single episode. Number one, add me on Facebook. Click the show notes right after this episode and add me on Facebook. I would love to have all my listeners connected with me so they can see what I write for my blog and what I post for video and picture images that will help you on your journey of fitness and health. And number two, share, 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 share this podcast with your friends and family so we can grow this thing as big as possible to help even more people around the world. And I will be forever grateful for every single one of you. Like seriously, I freaking love every one of you. Thank you so much for supporting this show and me. 
and I'm gonna continue giving you the best fitness and health info out there each and every week. That's it for me. Until next time, you guys.